to talk about Thanos. I know he <laughs> seems like a quiet, like super like nice, like does his work kind of guy. But I think someday he might just snap. Fresh out the oven. <laughs> it's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are continuing our miniseries, Webhead Summer, covering every Spider-Man film. We will fully spoil today's film, Avengers Endgame. But we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And you know what else I think? I think it all comes down to personal responsibility. Like if, <laughs> if, you know, if somebody at some point had been like, Thanos, seek help. And he had done mm. that. I mean, never mind the fact that you can go out and buy a gauntlet at Walmart. You are going to, you're talking about. You're talking about somebody who should have been, it's definitely, it's definitely about the psychology, definitely about the psychology, not about the availability of these stones everywhere. That's my take. (laughs) How do you feel about him um, in the first five minutes of this movie where he's like a kindly farmer and he's got the, um, the like gray t-shirt. He's just walking around with a bunch of melons. I, what is this movie? Why have they done such a thing to us? Yes, I mean, I agree. Wade, how are you? I am good. I was thinking as I read that popular film franchises, this is the most popular movie we probably will ever cover on this podcast because I don't boy. think we're going to do Avatar. No pressure. I'm sure it'll be <laughs> sure it'll be a good episode. Um, before we get started, I want to say that it is that time again. Bumtober is coming up. Oh my gosh, Bumtober. Wouldn't you know it? The most bumderful time of the year. We're already in August, Bumgist, and so before too long it'll be Bumtober, which is where we have a bracket all month long on our Instagram, at Bums, and listeners can vote to pick a series that we will cover on the podcast. And in order to fill out that bracket, we need you to send in suggestions of film series you want us to cover. So this can be franchises, it can be directors, it can be writers, anything that you would like us to talk about. Please don't send a single movie, as a lot of people have this year already. We would like a series, however you want to frame it, if possible. And you can, please... DM us on Instagram at cinemabums or comment on one of our posts there or email us at our email address, Emmett. It's (laughs) at (laughs) cinemabums.gmail at yahoo.org. Cinemabumspod at gmail.com. And today we're talking about Avengers Endgame. It was released April 26th, 2019 by Walt Disney Pictures. It is the seventh film from 2019 that we have covered on this podcast. Seventh film from 2019. Yeah. And how many do you think we've covered from 2011? Ooh, probably a lot. How about from 1933? (laughs) I'm just trying to establish what the most popular year in filmmaking was here it's for my for my deep run notes on this. This is the 22nd entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is the 10th and penultimate in Phase 3 and indeed the penultimate installment of the Infinity Saga. It is directed by Joe and Anthony Russo and written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, all returning from Winter Soldier, Civil War, and Infinity War, the last two of which we already recorded episodes on. The music is by Alan Silvestri, who also did the music for the first Avengers and Infinity War, not Age of Ultron. It's the only Avengers he didn't do. And running a gigantic three hours and one minute, it is the longest movie we have ever covered on this podcast. Wow. Uh, Not actually by a ton, 
Because a lot of those Denny's are like 245. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Dune was damn close. Dune and Blade Runner were both close. Hmm. In my head, I was also like, Incendies must have been up there. And then I looked and it was like 210. It just felt like it was four hours long. (laughs) Yeah. What a film. So from Incendies, we have fallen to Endgame, the most popular (laughs) film ever made. Uh, wait, what can we possibly have to say about this movie? <laughs> we have covered the least popular and the most popular film ever made. <laughs> it's I, Okay, well, I'll say it's the longest we've covered so far because eventually I hope we're going to cover Ryusuke Hamaguchi and we're going to watch Happy Hour, which is five and a half hours long. You know, Happy Hour is a really misleading title. That, that's... <laughs> As far as I can tell, I've heard it's good. As far as I can tell, it's just about ladies eating lunch. And it's five and a half hours long. I mean, you know, that seems appropriate. Longest movie. Also, the most expensive movie ever made with a production budget of $400 million. What could you... Why? Because it was all shot on a single soundstage in Atlanta. So that is true. (laughs) Well, you got to think like... Natalie Portman is in this movie for 30 Mm -hmm. seconds. She's Uh getting a million bucks. Robert Redford is in this movie for three minutes. He's getting a million bucks. I think I read something that Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth both got 15 million each. And they're second build under Downey. So you got to think that Robert Downey Jr. was making... I don't know, 20, 25, 30 million off of this. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, make that money any way you can, I guess. This film indeed made that money. It has a box office of $2.8 billion. <laughs> now that's walking around, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it made more than Infinity War's entire box office in its first 11 days. Is the highest grossing film of 2019. When it came out, it was the highest grossing film of all time. Then they re-released Avatar, so it dropped down to number two. It is currently the second highest grossing film ever made, unadjusted for inflation. And adjusted for inflation, it is still the fifth highest grossing. Whoa. And I think the highest grossing modern movie. I think it's after like Gone with the Wind, Jaws, Star Wars. Damn. Positive critical reviews at the time, 78 on Metacritic, compared to Infinity War, 68 Nominated for Best Visual Effects at the Oscars. Emmett, do you want... I mean, I'm not sure who's listening to this and doesn't know what happens in Endgame and can comprehend what happens in Endgame. But would you like to refresh the people's mind a little? All right, boom, Thanos, snap. Every good thing, gone. Bad times. Robert Downey Jr. sat on his spaceship in space. He's gonna die. Oops, he's not... Who, the Guardians of the Galaxy are there? We're going to do it one last time. One more time. Except we're going to go back in time. So we're going to go back to the future again. We're going to go and fight Thanos in the past and in the future so that our present can be strong. But instead, because it's not, it can't just be good old fashioned time travel. They instead have to say, no, 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 whatever those rules are that you think you know are not the rules. So we're going to have to do this weird like time loop thing where we have to restore everything back into the flow where it initially went, which is the movie that you really want to see is like what the hell Captain America was up to at the end of this movie. That's what I always thought. It was like, oh, it's going to be another hour long, but I'm kind of interested. But I digress. Then... We have to go on three different missions across backwards space time to get all of the stones to prevent Thanos from getting the stones in the first place or to get all of the stones again for themselves so that they can unsnap it, I think, is the, is the deal. So that one of yeah. them, presumably Hulk, because Hulk is the biggest and can handle it, will snap the thing and make everybody reappear. And then, question mark. They've killed Thanos right at the beginning uh, with the help of old Captain Marvel, who then conveniently disappears for the rest of this film until she badassly reappears at the end, right when things look bad. 
she had other things. There's a rest of the universe to save, I think is what she says. She's on that Professor X beat of being the most powerful superhero. So they got to take her out of the movie. I mean, but this has got to be like the least artfully concocted way to take the most powerful superhero out of a movie that has ever ever happened at least with professor x they're like oh he was poisoned or oh he was exploded or some other thing she's just like oh i have other places what could you possibly be doing that is more important than saving half of the universe this is um would you say more or less egregious than in Days of Future Past, where Quicksilver just goes, I don't really want to come, and stays home for the rest of the mission? Okay, no, that one sucks, too. That is that is also dumb. But it just shows a lack of creativity on, on the part of, like, writing a cool fight between superheroes, which is essentially, like, what you want to get to, right? Like, isn't that what the whole, like, superhero movie thing is for? You're, like, trying to build up to these cool-ass set pieces with, like, these dope powers that we've established over several movies versus these dope powers, which we've also established over a different set of other movies. And now they're all going to come together and, like, how are those going to interact and like what's going to be cool about them and then you're just going to write off major swaths of characters i don't know i don't know think and i think this the, the battle at the end of this movie does that in a pretty big way we're just like kind of like slashy stabby yeah anyway then eventually this movie kind of collapses into a third act that is slashy stabby everybody versus everybody once again unsnapped bam armies return all of your faves are there in pretty pandering montages and then there's a big last fight tony stark heroically sacrifices himself and then uh thanos dies and then tony dies and then immediately after tony dies guess what we get voiceover from tony stark Uh, (laughs) so yeah that's what happens in this movie, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Wait, anything else to add? I would just add that it's actually incredibly clean with the act structure in this movie. Mm. People sometimes, we talk about, you know, this act of the movie, and people sometimes ask what that means. You can see it really clearly in this movie, because mm. they're each an hour long. So the first yeah. act is, you know, there's the opening with them killing thanos and then there's like an hour of basically everyone being sad and moping around then you've got the second act which is a clean hour of the time heist and then the third act which is a clean hour of the final battle basically yeah and that even is split like pretty much evenly of 30 minutes of the final battle 30 minutes of wrap up yeah i looked at the clock when tony died this time and i was like 35 minutes left in this movie damn what are they doing damn yeah yeah a true return of the king ending for this film series yeah and like everybody like can we talk about the credit sequence how unhinged the credit sequence on this film is i love the credits honestly Every actor with their signature. (laughs) They're doing the Breaking Dawn part two thing where it's like everyone who has ever in any of these movies is going to get credited. Yeah. We'll show clips from them and the signatures and stuff. Wild. It is unhinged, but I like it. (laughs) And I'm glad that there is no post credit. And now, like, Avengers will return. It's like, yeah, no, like, we did it. We'll give you these crazy credits. And that's like the curtain call. Then, then yeah. it's done. And see you in two months for another Spider Man movie. <laughs> right. This was the penultimate, uh, penultimate <laughs> yes. movie. The actual movie that the entire, the entire Infinity <laughs> Saga was building towards was Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah, but we'll talk about that next week. Emmett, flop or bop on old Avengers Endgame? I don't know. Right after I watched it, I was like, oh, this is so much cooler and cleaner and like makes so much more sense than Infinity War does. And I was like really stoked on it right after I watched it. Having thought about it for a month or like thinking about it like almost a month later, I'm like, oh, like what a drag. You know, it's just like such a long 
It's just such a long movie. It's very dour. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the Infinity War is kind of like wild and it's just like crazy stuff is constantly happening and it just really goes for it. And this mm-hmm. movie feels like so calculated to bring everything like back into place and like give everything like the ending it's like supposed to have, you know? Yeah. That it's like. I would hesitate to compare this film to the disaster that is Rise of Skywalker. But, like, I think there's something to it about, like, there's something of that about it, where it's like, here's this previous movie that does just crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then this movie comes back in. And maybe that's always the idea. But wait, no, you said they wrote themselves into a corner. They intentionally wrote themselves into a corner. And then we're like, let's write our way out, right? So, yeah. I like that idea of writing your way into a corner and then writing your way out. But I feel like it gets too clean. It, it, it finishes somewhere mm. like too pat and like ra- all wrapped up. Hmm. I don't know. You know, the rise of Skywalker thing that always reminds me so much. Rise of Skywalker reminds me of this movie in the moment in rise of Skywalker where they do like the, every ship is here. They do like the exact same portals moment where it's like just Poe and his ship. And then Lando over the comm is like, you're not alone. And then every single person comes out, you know, except we don't, we literally don't know any of them. It's just like random ships, but (laughs) they don't want to talk about that. And 80 year old Wedge Antilles is there. Nobody in the audience knows who he is. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's what they were going for. How about you, Flop or Bop? I mean, like... I don't like, what do you want me to say? You know, like it does what it needs to do. I think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It does what it needs to do, which is not easy. And so I don't want to be like, this is a flop. This is an unsuccessful movie, but I think that it just does the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it goes in like really weird directions. (laughs) First of all, I think that it's like, really visually bland compared to infinity war, especially Mm, mm -hmm. like the final battle is just like gray. It might as well just be like a gray screen. Like there's nothing visually going on in the final battle. It's like about the Avengers. I don't care about as much, you know, Mm -hmm. because I really like Spider-Man and the guardians and Mm -hmm. black Panther and Dr. Strange. And this is like, you know, like the fun ones, the funny ones who sometimes crack wise. <laughs> yes. They're like, hey, come and hang out with the old folks one last time. This is like when your mom is like, you never know when it's going to be the last time you'll see your grandma. So you got to come hang out with her. And you're like, but mom, I don't want to be there for three hours. And she's yeah. like, no, it's going to. No, you have to. We're going to sit here and watch PBS. <laughs> Well, everybody just sits around awkwardly for four hours. Yeah, and I mean, as you said, this movie is such a downer. Like, it is so long, and it's so bummed out for almost all of it. And then even at the end, it's bummed out because it ends with a friggin' funeral instead of like, oh, yay, we did it. It's like, oh, Tony is dead. How are we ever going to replace Tony Stark? And even with that, it's like it does like it is a cool shot, right? It ends with this really cool shot that they're so proud of of the funeral where they're like every actor is really there on location. Like they didn't CGI uh-huh. anyone. It's really like 30 Oscar winning actors all standing in a row on a lake in Georgia. But like that's probably the only shot in the movie that's not shot on a green screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, isn't it true that almost nobody there knew what the shot was? So they were all just like giving nothing because they didn't know whether it was a wedding or a funeral or like what it was supposed to be because it was so hush hush. I'm guessing that right? they told the actors it was a funeral, but they called it the wedding. That's what like all of the shots said and certainly all of the uh, crew like... And everyone around thought huh. that it was a wedding. Interesting. Some of the actors they would interview and they'd be like, the wedding scene was my favorite to shoot and stuff like that. So I don't totally know. But everyone looks sad, the actors. So I'm guessing they kind they of knew. knew what they was kind of knew what was up. Yeah. <laughs> when every single person in the cast was there except for Tony, <laughs> they probably figured it out. Okay, well, let me start with the big question, Emmett. How do you feel about Hawkeye's haircut? 
It's okay. It's not the haircut. It's uh-huh. the extra like <laughs> Northman muscle muscle that he has discovered on the back of his <laughs> neck through like I guess his shoulders. That's a little alarming. Yeah, how do you feel about Hawkeye's haircut? I am generally pro Hawkeye's haircut. There are a couple of angles on it in this movie where I'm like, oh, <laughs> like it looks good for most angles, and then there's a couple where you're like, no, 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 no. Wait, doesn't he have like the buzzed bands in it or something? Yeah, it's like I mean, it's basically like a pretty standard like fade spiky haircut, but it is just like bald pretty much all the way up until the very top. Like there are basically like no sides. <laughs> It's kind of like a reverse balding where he just has hair on the top of his head and nothing on the sides and back. It's a strange choice, but maybe it's so that like no one can grab him when he's fighting. Yeah. He's a brutal mercenary now. Yeah, he's got to murder all those Japanese businessmen. So he just needs yeah. something quick and easy. Yeah, exactly. How about Spider-Man? I guess we're in a Spider-Man series. <laughs> Yeah, what is is Spider Man? Spider Man shows up in the end when everybody shows up because mm-hmm. he gets unsnapped. Yeah, what does he do in this movie? He's really happy that they won and it, like holds Tony as Tony dies, and it's very sad. It is very sad. I mean, it's it is very sad. Great acting on Tom's part in like the thirty seconds he gets to convey it. Like it is really well done. But honestly, Tony's death. Reminds me straight up of Deadpool's death in Deadpool 2. Like, <laughs> it keeps going on. Where it just keeps going on. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, good God. It really is. Like, that is the exact thing that Deadpool 2 is making fun of. And while I think that is a trash movie, I do think that that's a funny bit. And it's, I, and I think it's exactly true. It's like, that is what's happening here. And then even the fact that it goes directly into a voiceover from him afterwards. Yeah. That I think that's like a crime. I think it's a crime that they let that happen. Yeah. So it also starts with a Tony fake out death. You know, like it starts with his voiceover as he's dying like, on the I'm ship. I'm gonna die. It's gonna be super tragic and heroic. And he's all emaciated. Yeah. And then it ends with kind of that same thing too. Yeah. Spider Man is like a shadow that hangs over this film, mm. in some ways. The first thing Tony says to Steve, you know, the first thing they've said to each other in like two years is I lost the kid, mm-hmm. which I love. Like, he's not sad about losing the battle in half the world. He's sad that he, basically his son died, Spider-Man. Yeah. And he has the picture of him like hidden in his kitchen. And that's what convinces him to try and figure out the time travel. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that all of that stuff. When Tony dies in this, it is sort of like he is this Spider-Man's Uncle Ben. Even Mm. though we do kind of know Mm. the Uncle Ben thing has happened, but it is taking the place of what we see Andrew and Toby go through of like watching their father figure die. True. And feeling that loss. But the movie has also kind of reversed it where Peter is kind of like Tony's Uncle Ben for most of the movie. And he is like going through this whole crazy thing to get him back. So... Hmm. I feel like that relationship is hugely important to this movie. But obviously, you know, Tom is very good in this, but he's probably in three, four minutes of the movie to yeah. screen time. What do you make of the fact that it took 22 movies, right? This is the 23rd? Um, this is 22nd. 22nd. 21 movies, presumably, for mm-hmm. Thanos to find the five stones. And it took them one movie to get the five stones a second time. (laughs) What do you make of that? Well, first of all, it really takes Thanos one movie of actively going out and trying to do it himself. True, true. That's true. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But it is true that he is like keeping tabs on them and trying to get other people to do it and like in the background of all of those other movies. Mm-hmm. as the stones are around i think the time traveling to get the stone stuff is actually like a really smart conceit a really smart way to like tie everything together and make it seem like everything matters yeah yeah and i love that it's 
kind of like weird fringe stuff that they call in, you know, like they do go back to the battle of New York, but I like that. It's like Thor, the dark world, probably the least appreciated movies in Uh, the whole MCU. The ancient one is there. Who's sort of a weird deeper cuts. Then they go back to like talk to his dad in the fifties. So it's not sort of like they're just going through the big battles of the past. They are pulling from like weird fringes. I like that element of it a lot. And I do wonder how they're going to achieve the same feeling of making everything feel connected whenever they do another one of these again without like literally going through the old movies, which they do here. It is really cool. They're like all three of these are going to be in New York at the same time. Mm -hmm. And like we have to split up like we're going to split the party to go three different times. But we're also going to split the party again once we get there that like ups the stakes and it makes it exciting with especially with like the three in one place time yeah it feels like a very cool D conceit once again i would rather play this series of movies <laughs> than watch them you know yeah like they'd be they all make like fun video games or D games you know yeah for sure for sure well we're talking about some of the big plot points i meant let me ask uh-huh. you how do you feel about thor's arc in this the other guy we cover a lot on this podcast and now we've seen love and thunder so we kind of know where he goes after this too it's a very bold left turn in this movie so we see a thor who is totally depressed and fallen off and is expressed this partially through uh losing his once glorious abs and getting like super fat basically because he's isn't just not doing his regular Thor thing, you know, but also maybe a kinder, gentler Thor now. And that's interesting. It seems like there is like through that, through that depression as, especially like once he's like starts to come back on with the Avengers, some sort of like growth, like through that, which I think we don't see later as much in love and thunder. Like, I think his Mm -hmm. arc in this movie is more interesting than it has been previously. Yeah. And I do think, like, especially from Infinity War, like, that thing of, like, it is about these people who have just, like, continuously had to fight and, like, get their asses kicked and, like, see people that they love die or, like, nearly die over and over and over again, really wearing them down. I don't know. What about you? What do you think? I think it's weird, but I do kind of think it makes sense. I mean, this is kind of the Love and Thunder thing, too, of, like, Thor's arc basically ends in Infinity War, right? Like, he suffers the maximum amount of loss basically anyone could ever suffer. Yeah. And then he goes and he gets revenge, except he fails. So I think this movie is, like, a pretty accurate depiction of what failure can be, can look like. And I love that it's, like, his mom who basically Mm -hmm. gives him the talk that he needs. Yeah. His arc is basically accepting his failure and like just trying to do something good with the rest of the time he has, you know? Yeah. And I like that. I really like that he doesn't become Chris Hemsworth out of the suit at the very end when he powers up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that he becomes like a more battle-ready version of what he's been the whole movie, but it isn't like, like the consequences are sort of snapped away and he's instantly different and we're all yeah. like, yay, he's he's back to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, he probably looks a lot more in this movie like how a bunch of Vikings actually looked in real life. So. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> a bunch of Norse people. Like, wouldn't you be way more... Honestly, wouldn't you be more intimidated by him <laughs> than by, like, Chris Hemsworth in Thor 4? I mean... Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, moving through some of the plot points here, let's go to the villain report. Oh. We talked about sort of the issue that Infinity War sets up is that you understand Thanos' point of view. At yes. Least. Maybe he's not a sympathetic or likable character, but you get where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily want to see the Avengers just come murder him. And yes. that's a happy ending. So what this movie does is that the Avengers do just come murder him Mm -hmm. in cold blood. And then he's gone for good. And then there's a 
different evil version of Thanos we don't know who is like the bad guy of this movie. Yes. On one level, I think it's dumb. But on another level, I think it's really interesting. So okay. let's talk about the part where I think it's really interesting first. Because it's pretty clear why it's dumb. But it, it's like, this is Thanos from what, 2013, 2014? This is Thanos mm-hmm. circa Guardians, Guardians of the 1. Galaxy. Guardians 1, right? So right when he's first becoming an active in the series, right? Yes. At his like most determined, one might say. He's suffered the least in consequence for going after the thing he wants, but he wants it badly enough to like start going after it himself. So you've yeah. got like the most determined, the most evil version of Thanos that exists because Thanos after the snap doesn't want anything anymore. And like, mm-hmm. he doesn't even really care if they kill him. Doesn't really try to fight to save his own life because it doesn't, doesn't matter. And he yeah. doesn't want to kill anybody else because he's already done the thing that he wants to. So he's not a threat. He's not actively a threat anymore. It just like doesn't work. So yeah, it's it's a smart move that if you need him to be the villain, which you do to kick his ass for what he did in the first one, it makes sense. Then you've got this crazy thing where Thanos, new Thanos or old Thanos, who is new uh-huh. Thanos, uh-huh. Thanos from the past, young Thanos or whatever (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) okay young thanos is like i already did this like sees them trying to undo a thing that he is actively seeking to do now being like i am inevitable i am going to do this but that version of him gets snapped so where is thanos in the time loop does that mean that he never snapped anybody at all how does that work? And what exactly does that mean? And does that also mean that there are infinite Thanoses across infinite multiverses always right. trying to get the hand and like do the snap? But if there's a multiverse, then does it matter if any half of a population gets snapped? What? <laughs> and on top of all of this, do you think it's ethical to kill young Thanos for something that old Thanos did (laughs) that young Thanos hasn't even done yet? I mean, he's doing horrible things, but he hasn't actually done the thing that they're like kicking his ass for yet in his reality. So unpack for me, please. (laughs) I mean, I just want to say the time travel in this movie makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there it is. They're trying to say and I guess this is so, so supposedly based on like real physics and like theoretical science is that uh-huh. if time travel were real, it actually, as they say in this movie, wouldn't be like back to the future where like the future would change based on what you do in the past. Right. It would indeed be that that stuff in the past has already happened. You just didn't sort of realize it or whatever. Yes. You know, like it is that like when we saw the Avengers in 2012 at that time even the other avengers were right around the corner we just didn't yes. see them but that was happening yes. simultaneously yes that's what this movie says so how did winter soldier happen when captain america tells them in this movie that he's a part of hydra and how did everything else happen when that nebula goes forward into the future and then gets killed in 2014 wait what oh Do you know what I mean? Like, if it was all happening during the movies we've already seen, then how did the movies we already see happen? Yes. It would make more sense if it was different universes, which is what the MCU is about now. But that has not been established at this point. They're trying to say still it's one linear universe that we are traveling to different points. You're traveling in points in time in. Not that you're splitting off and making multiple universes each time you change it, because that would make more sense, honestly, and be more in line with actual scientific thinking about how that would work, right? I don't know. I also, you know, Elsite, you know what else I would have been able to talk more about a month ago (laughs) is uh, Brief (laughs) History of Time, which I had read like this spring. But like, so I kind of had some of that stuff in my brain about like what Stephen Hawking thought about time travel. Uh, let me tell you, it looks nothing like this movie. Uh, 
<laughs> that weird little graphic that they show did not appear anywhere in that book. <laughs> well, what the ancient one says is basically what you are saying where she's like, if you take the time stone out of this universe, it will create a different timeline, like branching uh-huh. off of the main timeline. Yes. And that will be a big issue. That is what she says is going to happen. Bruce is like, that won't happen because we will come literally the second after we take it and put it back. So it will never have been gone and will still be on the one main timeline. Yes, except because of the Zelda paradox. You can do that, but in one, but at that moment, it splits. And in one of those timelines, you come back and give the stone back at that moment. And in another timeline, you don't. And Ganondorf rises to power and becomes a hog lord. I mean, it's literally unfathomable. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. And they have even, like, the writers and the directors have, like, publicly disagreed on how they think it works. <laughs> Specifically on the issue of Steve, like, going back in time to be Peggy's husband. So that moment when he kissed his granddaughter. <laughs> how weird does that make that? In Winter Soldier, we hear that, like, uh, grown-up adult Peggy had a husband. Yes. You know, we don't know who it is. And he's like standing off in the like other room, basically. The writers were like, oh, yeah, that's Steve. Like he was the husband she married because he went back in time to this timeline. Oh, yeah. And okay. the directors were like, oh, no, like that created a different thing in the timeline. That's not him. He's in a different version of the universe now. And so like even the people who made this movie do not understand or agree on how it works. Good. But to the villain report, to take this all back around. I kind of agree with you in that it is both smart and dumb because it does solve the problem that we were talking about, you know? Yeah. It's not exciting to see Thanos get killed. And so in this movie, Thanos gets killed immediately and it is like the low point for the Avengers that they are all working to redeem themselves from. That's interesting. But it is dumb because we don't, I personally don't care about young Thanos. Like, I don't really know who he is. I don't know what his deal is. It's like taking a complicated villain and turning him just into, like, an evil mustache-twirling version of himself. Yes, yes. So you will feel okay when they kick his ass, but I almost wish it was just someone else. Genuinely. I wish it was just a different villain. Exactly. Who then, maybe just in the current time, pops up to stop them from bringing everyone back. Like, just someone else with the same big army who's like, nah, you, it's better this way. Don't bring everyone back. Yeah, like Thanos cultists or something who want to mm-hmm. stop them. Or like, he did the right yeah. thing. Don't reverse it. Yeah, that would make a lot more sense. And present opportunity for new creative like thought into like a villain character, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Moving along, still talking about characters. Let's get into MVP. Okay. This is probably going to be the hardest (laughs) maybe not the hardest but this is at least the most stacked cast Mm. the largest cast probably of any movie we've ever covered for the uh, integrity of the question i'm going to take off peter parker and also tony and steve but other than those three who is your mvp of this gigantic movie well the hulk cannot be forgiven for dabbing ever (laughs) he's off the table as well (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I I think I'm gonna have to go with Thor. I think Thor is pretty pretty exciting. Mm. Or Rocket, maybe. Actually, I'm gonna go with Rocket. I because I really like the Rocket and Thor adventure in here, and I think Rocket actually mm-hmm. is like doing interesting stuff and like the smacking Thor around and being like, "Look, get it together!" Like we are all lost and like. I think Rocket is really good in this movie. Yeah, thank you, Bradley Cooper, for elevating this film with your animated raccoon (laughs) from Jersey. I really love him. I mean, it's true, though. It is. He's somehow, like, one of the best characters in the whole MCU. Like, this movie does such a good job of giving, like, the snarky, funny Rocket movies, Uh like... When he's sneaking off, presumably to stab Natalie Portman in the butt with a shot and steal, like, the ether from her. Uh, You get all that silly stuff. And then there are, like, really dramatic moments, like when he's just sitting with Nebula, Mm -hmm. 
you know, comforting her silently and all of the stuff with him and Thor. Yeah. It's really good. But also shout out to Nebula in this movie and the mm-hmm. double Nebula thing. See, I think, honestly, I think it's, you, as you say, it screws up that movie entirely. But the double Nebula thing is the more interesting use of the double villain than the double Thanos thing by a lot. Yeah. And she's almost like the fourth lead of this movie. Like she is like very important to this movie. It feels like. Yeah. Wait, MVP. Okay. Well, I love rocket too. I want to say shout out to Jeremy Renner, who I think is good in this, despite a tough bag. He gets handed. I would say (laughs) continuously. (laughs) Yes. God, why he still works with Marvel. I mean, because just because he's getting paid enormously, but I mean, he is really getting shafted every single time. And then they gave him a TV show that was a Christmas special. And it was not even, he wasn't even, he was second build. Right. Second build to a child. Haley Seinfeld. (laughs) Yeah. What did we say? Evan's got 50 million for this. You think they gave Renner 500 bucks in cash? But he he is good. And I like all of the stuff of him, like running around in the underground before the battle. I think that stuff is really good shout out to paul rudd who is also really good in this movie Uh also manages to pull off the funny serious thing really well but my mvp unfortunately i have forgiven him for dabbing it is bruce banner as the hulk oh lord i think he's really great in this movie i think it's like an incredible vocal motion capture performance yeah he's really funny in the beginning like testing stuff Uh uh-huh when Paul Rudd comes back as a baby and he's like, he'll grow. It's fine. And he's really serious towards the end. And I feel like you honestly get like more moments of like quiet acting from him as a digital creation than you do for most of the real actors in this movie. Yeah. The line of the movie for me, the best line delivery, maybe the best moment in the whole movie is when he's about to put on the stone and he goes like, it's like it was meant for me and it like zooms in on him like it's just such a good line delivery damn yeah and doesn't isn't he the one who does the snap to bring everybody back and then it's tony who does a second snap to kill thanos right yes and to kill the army mm-hmm. also once again no one ever thought to use the stones they immediately destroy the stones after this no one ever thought to use the stones to actually fix the problem that thanos was initially worried about about a lack of resources in the universe they couldn't just use the the wheat stone to make a bunch of (laughs) bread for everybody what the hell are they talking about they of course they're the avengers they're only military based nobody is actually in there thinking about long-term survival planning anybody with half a brain would use those stones to make some sort of sustainable like resources for everybody come on just common sense You know, but there is this interesting thing, almost Mm -hmm. interesting, where it is like half of all living life. So Mm -hmm. it is like not just half of all humans, but it's like half of the animals, half of the trees. And there's like the moment where like everyone comes back and you kind of know it because Hawkeye walks outside and there is like a bunch of birds again. There's like a lot more nature out there than was there when he went than like the whole rest of the movie. So that's interesting. There are a lot of like cool little touches in this movie. It is yeah. just like so long and mostly sad and over stuff that sometimes it gets drowned out. But before we get off the cast, I don't want us to be like this movie and forget to mention the death of Scarlett Johansson. So how do you feel about not just Tony, but about Black Widow biting the dust in this one? Well, I think... That the conceit of that stone, like that whole thing, I don't know. I don't like the scene. Yeah. I distinctly don't like the scene. And I do think it's like, oh, we have to kill one of them. Like, we have to kill one of them off. And we're just going to decide that it's going to be Black Widow. No no reason. I don't know. They haven't used her in several movies. So it's like maybe better for her to be out of the series. And then, of course, immediately she's back in the series. Because the Black Widow movie comes out after this, yeah. right? Very strange. Yeah. Very, I feel weirder about that than I do about her dying in this movie. You know, like, whatever, you're going to kill, yeah. you need to kill her off. Like, I still don't think they ever, like, used her particularly well in any of the movies. So it's like, 
the real answer would have been use her better in these movies and then she wouldn't have felt like such a, a dead weight that you could get rid of but i do think she's a really good actress i think she's really good in winter soldier i think that's her best performance and i think she's good in moments in both this and infinity war it just is a little overblown my least favorite scene in the whole movie is when they come back and all of the the five other original Avengers, the boys who all like had a thing for her at one point, like uh, just get mad and like throw the bench into the ocean and all like stand in a circle and scream about how mad they are she's dead. Like that yeah. scene just sucks so much. Yeah. It's already like dumb that they have a huge private funeral for Tony and nothing at all for her. But like the fact that that is the reaction and we've got to be like, Oh yeah, each of these guys kind of dated her in their solo movies for a minute, and now they've all got to get really mad. (laughs) Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Briefly, continuity corner. All I want to mention there, we should shout out that we do see Ned at the end of this movie, who presumably got blipped with Spider-Man, right? Okay. We'll talk about this more in Far From Home, because basically no time has passed for Spider-Man, but he has returned in 2023. Returned 2023. Yeah, from 2018. Did MJ get blipped? Or do we not know that or not? I guess the only thing we know in this movie is him and Ned. Because you see Ned at the end, and they're the same age. And you see Aunt May at the end, but I don't think they ever say whether or not she was blipped in this or the last one. Hmm. It's messy. It's this (laughs) messy story conceit that is interesting, but it just like... As you've said before in this podcast, like they now have to think all the time about what it was like to have a world where people were gone for five years and every single thing they do. Yeah. Yeah. You can't escape that anywhere you go because the conceit of the entire MCU now is that half of the people disappeared. Okay. Can we talk about this for a second? Is it okay? I don't even know if it's okay to talk about this, but. Okay. On WandaVision. The indication may be that some people came back from the blip with superpowers, right? Is that an indication? Didn't the new superhero, I can't remember her name right now. Um, Monica Rambo or Maria Rambo? Yes, yeah, 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 Rambo. She is a superhero because of the blip, I think. Or because of something to do with Wanda there. That's not totally oh, clear. Okay, maybe. Because I thought it had to do with, like, she didn't have superpowers. She went away, she yeah. came back, and then she did. All of a sudden, she had this, like, crazy silver blue eyes. and Or maybe she had them before we didn't even notice. I don't know. That thing in WandaVision is so, like, nebulous as to what is going on. Yeah. But speaking of WandaVision, that brings me to another thing I don't like about this movie that I wanted to talk about, which is that it basically is, like, the Avengers movies are the only places where characters can die for real, you know? Oh, uh-huh. The first one, Agent Coulson dies. The second one, Quicksilver dies. This one, Tony and Black Widow die. In Infinity War, you get four pretty major deaths. Heimdall, Loki, Gamora, and Vision. Uh-huh. And then in this movie, another version of Gamora is brought back and put on the table. Uh In this movie, another version of Loki is brought back and put on the table. In WandaVision, immediately after this, another version of Vision is brought back and put on the table. So the only one that stuck is Heimdall, and we even see him again in Love and Thunder. Not alive, but he is there again for a minute. And isn't it his son that's his previously unspoken of son? Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. I just feel like this movie negates a lot of Infinity War, of the big swings it makes, and also does, frankly, a ton of setup for the Disney Plus shows, which I just think is kind of dumb. <laughs> like that whole Loki thing, like that is just like a setup to drive Disney Plus subscriptions. You know, like if you're just watching that movie, like that makes no sense. Like there's when another Loki and he disappears. And so then for another hour and a half, you're like, wait, when is that Loki coming back? And it's like, He's coming back when you pay $10 to see what happens next on Disney plus. Oh, wait, really? Is that, is that what happens with him? Where, where does, so that's what the Loki TV show is about. It's about that version of evil Loki who disappears to a different place on the timeline. 
and then just sits there and has a conversation for eight hours, right? <laughs> I mean, that is in practical terms what happens as he talks to Owen Wilson for eight hours. And it's honestly maybe the best of them. <laughs> but there's that, even Falcon getting the shield is Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Set up WandaVision. Thor and the Guardians have a good moment. And honestly, they're probably together more at the end of this movie than they are at the beginning of Love and Thunder. Yeah, that seemed like set up and then just wasn't. I guess it was set up for the preview for Thor, Love and Thunder so that it would make <laughs> us all think that uh, the Guardians would be in that. Mm-hmm. Damn. Any final thoughts, Emmett? Any ending thoughts on Endgame? It's interesting. I just want to unpack the term end game for a second. Mm-hmm. It comes from chess, I believe, as the closing set of maneuvers that you pull in a game of chess to take the king. And then, of course, there's that Samuel Beckett play where they're sitting in trash cans. This movie like splits the difference on those things. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Wait, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, also, I never answered a flop or pop. It's a flop, dude. Oh, yeah, it's a flop from me, too, if I didn't already say that. Shout out to Clint Eastwood playing uh, old Captain America at the end. Is it really Clint Eastwood? No, it's no, uh, it's Joe Biden. Good. 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 Uh, okay, I don't think I have <laughs> who knows. Well, who we cares? already watched what are we already watched Nope, so what are we counting down to now? The Barbie movie? How many weeks do we have until till that? What we're counting down to, Emmett, is our quiz game. You have not oh. weaseled your way out of this one, my friend. No! <laughs> oh, hoist, as it were, on my own petard. We may Lake Endgame be running way too long on this episode, but we do have a quiz game. And here's the conceit of our quiz game. Bums the word. This movie, Avengers Endgame, stars at least 20 Oscar-nominated actors in its cast, <laughs> nine of which have actually won Holy an hell. Oscar. Today I have for you the nine Oscar-winning movies starring members of this cast. Okay. I have arranged them from most recent to oldest, which is roughly approximating easiest to hardest in terms of being <laughs> okay. able to guess. Okay. And we're just going to play it like normal, but if you need a hint, I will give you the actor Okay. before I will give you the movie, if that makes sense. Sounds good. Okay, I'm ready. Nine Oscar-winning actors. The first movie is a movie we have covered on this podcast. It is a 2019 drama film adapted from a book uh, set as Oscar movies are wont to be in the past, in a specific Uh, time period. Is this Little Women? No. A movie based upon a book that we have covered? We've covered it. It's sort of a fanciful movie about a dark subject matter until it isn't it's a fun movie until it isn't some people might take issue with this inclusion although i thought it was only fair uh-huh the actor who is acting uh-huh. in avengers endgame is here not nominated for acting but for screenwriting oh. or want for screenwriting rather than acting wait okay all right that's that's just the wording on that is a little confusing so the person who was in endgame wrote this movie wrote this movie yes wrote and directed it wrote and directed it Mm -hmm. but won the oscar for writing it is this a john favreau joint no this actor in endgame is voicing a character is it josh brolin is it bradley cooper no is it vin diesel (laughs) no this was supposed to be the easiest one. <laughs> Would you like to know the actor? I'll give you the actor. Yes, please. Please tell me the actor. The actor is Taika Waititi playing Korg. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, right? Yes. Wait, yes, it was? Yes. Okay. It was Jojo Rabbit. Okay. And it had another Avengers, another Avengers Endgame Oscar winner in it. Scarlett Johansson. But Scarlett Johansson got nominated for her role starring in it. Taika uh, okay. wins for for writing. Wins it. for writing. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Wow. 
Scarlett has actually never won. She is not one of these nine winners, only nominated. Wow. Turns out she can play anything, just not to the best. Very rudely, Bradley Cooper has been nominated wow. nine times and never won. But some of those are for directing, and it's not all acting. Okay, but... okay moving right along. Number eight. This is a 2016 movie. Looks like it's also based on a novel. I have never seen this movie. It was pretty popular at the time. It's about a woman and her son surviving a difficult experience. The whole movie is basically like they're, I think, the only main actors in it. This is The Room. Yes. Or Room. Room. Or Room. Yes. Starring Brie Larson, Captain Marvel herself, for which you won Best Actress. Nice. Okay, next up. This is a 2010 film uh, listed here as a psychological thriller. What to say? This is by a director who we almost never talk about on this podcast, and I really don't like him. But I guess he is one of those guys who is like a modern auteur whose work must be paid attention to or whatever. Hmm. But this movie is about an artist in a very specific form. Maybe it would immediately give it away, but it's about an artist who is sort of the barriers between her work and her life are disappearing. And she's. Oh, is this Black Swan? Yes. By Darren Aronofsky. Uh, Black Swan starring Natalie Portman in this movie as Jane Foster, for which she won Best Actress. Okay, next up. This is a 2007 legal thriller. This is a movie that I've always heard is really good. And even recently, I've heard a lot of people just saying it's really good. Um, That they've revisited it recently, and it's still great. Legal thriller. Yeah. Ooh, anything more about this legal thriller you can tell me? It's set in the modern day. It's a original story. Features an actor who is not the one in this cast. The lead actor is not in this movie, but he's sort of a classic Hollywood leading man, handsome sort of guy, playing a little bit of a dodgy lawyer. Is it John Cusack? Is that the actor? No. The actor has played Batman. Although he's maybe the last person you would think of when you think of all the Batman. George Clooney? Uh Uh-huh. Good night and good luck? No. I'm not sure if you'll know this. The the title is just the name of the main character. Oh. There's nothing coming to mind. What is it? This movie is Michael Clayton. Yeah, never would have never would have guessed it, but it's good. Uh, I've heard it's very good. It's written and directed by Tony Gilroy, who wrote Rogue One and is doing everything for Andor, which is interesting. The winner is Tilda Swinton, who won Best Supporting Actress. Interesting. Next up is a 1998 romance movie. This is another one set in history, although a little bit further back. It is not adapted from anything, although it is written by the great playwright Tom Stoppard. Is this uh, Shakespeare in Love? It is. And Gwyneth Paltrow winning Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress in that? Best Actress, Best Lead. Well done. Uh, Next up is a 1992 comedy. This is also a legal movie, although this one is the rare comedy that wins Oscars. Whoa. I don't really know what to say about this. The lead in this is sort of a classic, like, Italian mobster Oh, Funny it's, it's got to be my cousin, Vinny. It's got to be. <laughs> yes. Do you know who the actor is? I have no idea. What, who would it be? Marissa Tomei, winning Best Supporting Actress. Oh. Aunt May. Oh, my God. Okay, no, it's all coming together for me now. That <laughs> makes perfect sense. Incredible. Have you ever seen this movie? Have you ever seen my No, I haven't. Watch it. You have to. I, I feel like you and Laura, Laura would love this movie. <laughs> Laura will be quoting this movie for the rest of her life. I'm reading the main character is named Vinny Gambini. So, <laughs> Okay, we got three more before this endgame can come to an end. Okay. 
this next one, this is a 1987 drama, um, sort of a corporate intrigue sort of drama. This is a classic, like, excess of the 80s. Mm. Corporation, drugs, women, big city, fast-paced life sort of movie. Interesting. Corporate drama is not my go-to. I don't really... I don't know. I What is... Who's the actor? The actor is a classic 80s sleazeball. It is Mr. Michael Douglas himself. Oh. Pink Pym from Avengers Endgame. Okay. This is a movie about stock traders. Uh, is it Money Never Sleeps? Or is that more recently? That, I mean, what you're thinking of is the uh-huh. sequel to this movie oh is this just wall street yes it's just called wall street whoa i did not realize that other one was a sequel but i'd seen that and like remember that title from like the 2000s with michael douglas in it yeah the tagline on the poster here is every dream has a price damn that's pretty good stuff that is pretty good stuff this next one is a 1985 drama This is adapted from a book, although I don't know about you, I know this title most as a musical that I'm guessing was also adapted from the book and came a little bit, maybe a little bit later. Hmm. But this is a drama film about two unlikely cellmates in prison. And the title is nothing like that. This, This is a title that would not be out of place as the title of one of the movies that we'd cover in this Webhead Summer series. So it sounds like a superhero movie name, is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Is it Bonnie and Clyde? No. Mm. The actor here winning for best actor is William Hurt, plays General Thunderbolt Ross in Avengers Endgame. Interesting. Here he is playing a Brazilian homosexual, according to Wikipedia. Wow. So, what can you say? I'm sure that's... That's aged well. (laughs) No, I have no idea. What is it? This film is called Kiss of the Spider Woman. Unbelievable. No, I never heard of it, but now I want to. The Kiss of the Spider Woman. I have always heard of the musical and just thought about it because it's such a weird title, but I had no idea that was even what it was about. Wow. Okay. The final film on this list this is a 1980 drama. It is also Uh adapted from a novel. It is about a regular middle-class family in the Midwest and about the personal drama that undergoes their family. Everything about this movie is basically like portrait of a regular family in America. 1980 Mm -hmm. portrait of a regular family. Is it ordinary people? Robert Redford yes. winning Best Actor. Robert Redford winning Best Director for his work. Whoa, no kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah, well done. A movie that a dear friend of ours gifted to me once, and then I never watched because it looked too sad. It sounds pretty sad <laughs> from the plot <laughs> description here. <laughs> so uh, someday I'll watch it. Well, excellent job, Emmett. I forgot to keep a score, but I think you did pretty good. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you. Thank many you. congratulations to you. Uh, much like the Russo brothers, we have gone way over time on this, and we can only pray that Kevin Feige will not fire us. We will be back in 51 weeks talking about Greta Gerwig's Barbie. And next week, as we finally... Uh, steer towards the end of Webhead Summer. Next week, we are talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Woo! Until then, stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. 
You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. 